All right, let's pray and just uh, get, get your heart, get your mind ready to receive, right? Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always on time, always true. God, it's in you there is no lie. Everything about you is truth. And God, you say you are for us. You say you will never leave us. You go before us. You make our path straight. God, thank you for your word. As it goes forth, it goes forth with great power this morning to change lives right where they are. Just your word will do that. Thank you for giving people hope this morning. Came, came looking for some and, and here it is. You are hope. This is the answer. You are the answer. God, we just look forward to all that you have for us. Speak through me. Use me for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Overcome accusations. How many of you guys have ever received an accusation? And I want to tell you how important it is to reject those. This is going to be one of those messages that's truly going to change your life. It's, 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 going, to, it's going to show you, it's going to reveal to you Satan's tactic. It's going to reveal to you how to overcome that tactic. Love it. Love this mic. Thank you, Jesus, for this mic. Mic, mic, mic. Right. All right. John 5, 45 says, do not think that I shall accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, in whom you trust. Now, Jesus is saying it's very interesting that he says Moses is the one that accuses. I want you to see this, too. Jesus does not accuse. He doesn't accuse you. If you walk around this planet thinking that Jesus is accusing you of stuff, you got it wrong. You let Satan twist that around. The Bible said Jesus said with his own mouth. He said with his own mouth, I don't accuse you. Moses accuses you. So how does Moses accuse you? Do you think he's talking about Moses the person? Nope. What does Moses represent? The law. So the Bible tells us in John chapter 1, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. I want you to know, Satan will use the law. He'll knock you up on the head with it. He first becomes the tempter. And then when you when you lose it and you fail, he becomes the accuser. And then he accuses you and he says, how can you call yourself a Christian? And how do we get that? Let we go. This is what the word I want to just tell you what the word accusation means. Accuse. All right. It's important. So this is a uh, categorical and it means to accuse before a judge to make an accusation. You see that right there? Oh, of an extrajudicial accusation. So this word accuse is a courtroom term. And so we got and, and the root word for this, by the way, is almost the same thing. OK, it's categoros. It means an accuser, a name given to the devil, devil by the rabbis. The name devil, Diablos, Diablos in the in the in the in the Greek is the accuser. He's an attorney at law. Right. Uh, the Satan in Hebrew is Hasatan which means a prosecutor at law. Now you think about that in God's great courtroom. You think about who represents you, right? Jesus does. He's never lost a case. He's like really close with the judge. It's on your side. It's almost like you have favor in that courtroom. Look at Colossians 2. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you. How many, church? Say it again. How many sins are forgiven? 
all. Oh, that means Jesus did a perfect work on the cross. He took care of all your sins. He paid for them because you couldn't. You, even if you were still trying today, you couldn't. So stop trying and start believing what Jesus did for you. It's good news. Uh, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us. That's interesting. God's handwriting in Scripture, we're, we're told he wrote the law with his hand, his own hand. What, he, he wiped it out. How did God wipe out the handwriting that was against us? Well, he did it by nailing it to the cross, right? Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements against us, which was, it was contrary to us. The law is contrary. It's against us. It opposes us because it points to our sin. And Satan uses that. He uses that in the courtroom as evidence that we fail. Are you with me? Uh, and he is taking it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. God nailed his own handwriting to the cross. And then let scripture back scripture up. The Bible says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Do you believe, church? Then Christ is the end of the law for you. It is now a relationship based on love, his love for us. Not based on what we have to do or can't do, forget to do, don't do enough. See, Satan doesn't just accuse you of not doing something. He accuses you of not doing it enough. You can read your Bible and he'll come up and say, hey, you're not doing it enough because so-and-so reads three chapters a day. You're reading one verse a day. What kind of Christian are you? Doesn't he do that? He's an idiot. Having disarmed, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let me tell you something. So, the word disarm means at one time, Satan and his demonic host had a weapon. In the context, you tell me the weapon. The law. He would use the law to whack you upside the head. You, you check out, you're driving down the street, and there's a person on a, in a skirt on a bicycle going down University Avenue. You look over. After you go, no, I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't. I will not look over there at all. Yeah, don't we, brother, y'all going to leave me up here by myself? I know y'all waiting for the kilt thing, but I ain't going to say it. <laughs> so I want you to see that Satan's weapon is the law. You see that? Pretty clear there. So let me show you a story in Ezra. Ezra, the time of uh, Joshua, uh, the time of Zerubbabel. Um, Joshua and Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor, the, 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 the leader of the Jews at that point. Joshua was the spiritual leader, the high priest of the Jews at that point. You, you, you know that story? And so they're coming back, man. They're coming back, and they're going to rebuild the temple. They want to rebuild the temple, and they had favor with the king. They had favor with the king at the time, and they were going to rebuild the temple. And King Cyrus of Persia, God put it on his heart to, to show them favor. So this is what it is in chapter. This is how it opens up. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. He wasn't a Jew. The Lord stirred his heart up, just like he did Pharaoh. Let me tell you something. 
if you don't like what's going on in, in leadership around any place, let me just tell you something. God is in control. God is in control. Nothing catches God by surprise. So much division around us, it's crazy. You know why there's division? Because we're taking our eyes off that God's in control. He, can, he makes all things work. It's his plan, not our plan. Not everybody thinks like me. Not everybody thinks like you. But when you, when you, when you turn your thoughts to Jesus, that's where, we're all, that's where we find our commonality right there. Right there in Jesus. So that's what we have to do, guys, especially during this time. And people need to see that we all turn to Jesus. Are you with me, church? Because God's in control. Look, King Cy- Cyrus is not a Jew, but God, the Bible says in Proverbs that, that the king's heart is in God's hand and he wills where it will go. God is in control. All right. Uh, stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia. He's like taking credit for it, right? But we just saw that God put it in him. Right? And by the way, I try that at home sometimes. Thus says Troy of the Rumor House. Sounds fun, but it doesn't do anything. You can try it. Let me know how it works for you. All the kingdoms of the earth of the Lord, God of heaven, has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem. Look at that. Which is in Judah, who is among you of all his people. Who among you is, uh, who is among you of all his people? May his God be with you with him and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel he is God he's making this guy say this stuff he is God which is in Jerusalem all right so next we're gonna fast forward um oh no what is this man did I go I'm going backwards that's what's throwing me off boop boop I don't know if I can drive a clutch. I used to. It's been a while. All right, so let me show you this. All right, ready for this? We're going to fast forward to chapter 4. Now, when the adversaries of Judah, because that king was gone now, right? And, and there were 16, say 16, 16 years in between when this stuff happens. So now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, referred to them as descendants of captivity, meaning, hey, you, aren't you guys the ones that are slaves? They're not slaves anymore. God set them out to be free. They one time were. But see, the enemy is coming to remind them of who they used to be. It's an accusation. They came to Zerubbabel. And now he's the leader, the governor of the Jews. They came to him uh, and and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you. For we seek your God as you do, and we have sank a sacrifice to him since the days of Eshadon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. Now, they're enemies, but they're coming up trying to play their way in. Zerubbabel has wisdom. He says in one of these verses, verse 3, But Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God. But we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in their building. You may be trying to build a a family, and the enemy will come in and try to discourage you, remind you of a past, tell you you don't deserve a family. Yeah? You might be trying to build a relationship at your job with your boss or whatever it is, man, and the enemy's trying to come in there, and he's always discouraging you. 
If you feel discouraged, it's not coming from God. If a godly person comes to you and you feel discouraged, that's not a godly person speaking on God's behalf because he will always encourage you. Boom. Oh, so what do they do? They hire counselors against them. A counselor is someone who advises. Now, they hired counselors against them means that is a false advisor. A false advisor came against them to frustrate their purpose. You ever feel frustrated in your purpose? It's not from God. It's not from God. Uh, all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius Rucker. You see that right there? Of Persia. In the reign of At... Ooh, you got to say that slow. Thank you. <laughs> you don't want to know his nickname. In the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation. Say it, church. They wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. They wrote an accusation. And before Satan can get a hold of you, you have to receive an accusation. People are going to accuse you all the time. But it's up to you if you receive it or not. You can either receive truth or you can receive an accusation. If someone reminds you of your past and they say, hey, that's who you are. You say, no, that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. They received the accusation. Check this out. In the days of, of that Artexistus's. Thank you. Also, Bishlam <laughs> and, and Methodeth. <laughs> they really should let me write the Bible. Lord. <laughs> and and Tabel, whatever. And the rest of their companions wrote to King of Persia. And the letter was written in Aramaic script and translated into Aramaic language. So they wrote a letter. They wrote this letter. The enemies of the Jews wrote a letter to the new king, right? They, a letter of accusation. And this is what it says. They're lying about it. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. You can go back and read it yourself if you want to, but we're going to skim through it. Let it be known to the king that the Jews who came up from, uh, came up from you have come to us in Jerusalem and are building the rebellious and evil city. Now, is it rebellious and evil? No, but they're telling the king this, right? Uh, and are finishing its walls and repairing the foundations. Let it now be known to the king that if this city is built and the walls completed, they will not pay taxes, tribute, or custom, and the king's treasury will be diminished. This, so they wrote this letter of accusation. None of this is true. None of this has happened. But they wrote this letter to put fear in the king so the, the king would act on their behalf it's crazy man now did they have favor before the accusation you remember the first chapter that king god put it on that king to give them everything they needed but once that letter came the building stopped the building stopped the favor stopped flowing um we just read this yes 416 same chapter. We inform the king that if this city is rebuilt and its walls are completed, the result will be that you will have no dominion behind, behind yonder river. And see, they're still accusing. You can go back and read all the details of this bad boy. And then we finally get down to verse 23. Now, when the copy of when the copy of King letter was read before Rehom, Shemishkishai, and the scribe and their companions. <laughs> hey, anybody can do this. Amen. 
they went in haste to Jerusalem against the Jews and by force of arms made them cease. By force of arms, they stopped them from building the temple. Fear came on them. Thus the work of the house of God, which is at, at, is at Jerusalem, ceased, and it was discontinued until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So 16 years in between. And, and, and they, they, the, the, the favor stopped. The temple stopped. And so God sent two young prophets, two young prophets to these guys. Because God, God's, just because the, the favor stopped there and they didn't see anymore, God doesn't stop. God is always working for us. And even if something happens to stop it, he's still making it happen because he loves you. Very next chapter, chapter 5, verse 1, very next verse, in fact. Then the prophet Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Edu. Edu. Are you filming that? You're going to have to edit that part. Prophesy. Their prop what do prophets do? Prophesy to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God of Israel, who was over them. Listen, God sent these two prophets to speak to them, remind them who they were. Do you remember who the two leaders were? Who's a secular governor leader? Zerubbabel. Who's a spiritual leader? Joshua. They're both down. It starts with leadership, church. It starts with leadership. And the leadership was downcast because they received accusation. They were downcast. So God sent two prophets. At the same time, this story of Ezra is happening. God gave, God gave Zechariah a vision. You know where his vision's found? In his own book. Zechariah just makes sense, doesn't it? So the same time this whole situation is happening during the story of Ezra the book of Ezra you with me so here's what he says then he showed me Joshua this is Zechariah the prophet then he showed me he saw it in the spirit showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord capital A always means Jesus and the word standing before if you look it up in the Hebrew it means in front and in back so you got Jesus in front of him, and Jesus is in the back of him. He goes before you, and he's your rear guard. And then it says, uh, then it says, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. So now we have a heavenly courtroom. But here's the thing. God the judge is up there, and you got Satan, the prosecutor, Hasatan, right? Prosecutor. And you got uh, Joshua, who is the high priest. He's being accused. He's on the witness stand. But he's got Jesus in front of him. And he's got Jesus behind him. Satan has no chance. No chance. But he's accusing him. And I love this part right here. So, and the Lord said to Satan, he went third person on him. He said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? That means if you've been saved, there's no way you're going to hell. Don't let anybody come up and shake you like that. Well, how do you know you're going to heaven? Because the Bible says I'm going to heaven. Because it's not based on what I do. It's based on what I said. And I said, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And I believe he's alive today. That's all you need to say. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. 
He was clothed in, clothed in filthy garments. And I love this. Th don't forget, this is going on while the temple is being delayed. And God, God knew that the spiritual leader was re receiving accusations. And it was, he was being beat down by the accusations. See, the problem is not with the accusations. They're going to come. The problem is whether you receive it. God was showing him it's in the inside. He covered himself with a filthy garment. I love that because it's showing us what he's going through at that moment. You ever feel covered by a filthy garment? Because deep down, God wants you to ask yourself, it's because you received an accusation somewhere. Because God has clothed us with a royal rich robe. In fact, the Bible says it's the robe of righteousness. And so he's feeling like he's clothed in a filthy garment in this heavenly vision, right? Man, this is beautiful. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away, take it away, take away that filthy garment. Now he's not talking about clothes. He's talking about take away that shame, that guilt, that condemnation. Take it away. Aren't you glad, church, that Jesus has done that for us? There is therefore now no condemnation for you. And to him, he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. He did it. He removed the iniquity from him. What was the iniquity? It was that filthy coat, that filthy robe. What does that represent for us, church? It means if you're carrying around guilt and shame, God says, I've removed it from you. And I will clothe you with rich robes. So what Zechariah did, what God showed him to do, he went to restore the spiritual leader and remind him he was righteous. He restored back to him his gift of righteousness. He reminded him who he was. How many times do we need that, guys? We come here looking for that. We come here looking for hope. I need to be reminded that I'm righteous. So what about the next guy? See, Zerubbabel had a problem. His problem was different. His problem was he saw a mountain. He's the governor, the, the leader of this thing. He's like, how am I going to make that happen? How am I going to make that? How am I going to get this temple finished? Only the foundation was there. It's been 16 years. He's like, how am I going to motivate these people in order to get this done? Where's the money going to come from? Where's the, where's the favor of God going to come from? And as I'm studying this this morning, I'm like, Man, God hit me. He's like, man, let me just show you how much I love you. I'm going to show you something real quick. You got time? I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he just showed me some stuff this morning because I was just going back through this and, and reading back through it. So, so he answered and said to me, this is Zerubbabel, right? This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, the other leader, right? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. But listen, God is saying, it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by anybody's power. It's going to be by my spirit. That's how it's going to get built. That's how the temple's going to get built. Stop looking at it and saying, where's it going to come from? I'm going to do it for you. And I'm like, God, how am I going to motivate a church that we're growing, man? I'm like, and we're growing in those areas. And I'm like, how am I going to, what are we going to do? Where's it going to come from? And God showed me this morning, he said, it's not going to come by your might. It's not going to come by anybody's power. It's going to come by my spirit, and it'll happen when I want it to happen. So rest. And I'm okay with that. I want it to happen when he wants it to happen. 
because I'll jack it up. So what about that mountain? He says, who are you, oh great mountain? You got a mountain in front of you today? You got a mountain in front of you? You worried about something? Maybe you got a report back or something? Maybe you got some, some issues with your teenagers? Maybe you got some issues with your health? Let me just tell you, look at that mountain and say, who are you? Who are you, oh great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of. Say it again. Grace, grace. You say it. Grace, grace. That's how it comes. It's not there for any other reason to tell you. When you see a mountain, you shout. When you stop trying to start resting, you start to cease. Stone. Listen, the capstone is the very last piece. God is prophesying that it's done. He's prophesying the temple's done. Zerubbabel's looking at it going, man, it ain't done. It's just the foundation. God is like, no, it's done. I can see it. Can you see it? Then trust me. It's done. He prophesied in the spirit that it's done. Let me tell you something. If there's something going on in your life, if you got some family issues, you feel like you can't do anything about it, God has already promised the capstone. The end of the story is there. Rest. Trust the Lord. You know why you can trust him? He's never failed you. Don't trust me because I will fail you. Not all the time, and I don't even want to, but I'm human. I will fail you. God will never fail. That's why we put our trust in him and not men. All right, so back to the story. This is what happens. This is what almost done. So Ezra 6, 14. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai and the prophet and the Zechariah, the son of Eo. They prospered by the prophesying. What I'm doing right now is prophesying over you, and you will prosper. You will prosper because I'm using God's language. I'm using his word. And let me just tell you something. Your health will prosper. Your ministry will prosper. Your family will prosper. Your family will prosper. And when you start saying stuff like that, you prosper. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. Up a little love hug because the spirit's in me, man. I'm just, I love when the spirit's in me, boy. A little slow. Hmm. All right. And they built and finished it. They built and finished it. of the Israel. And according to the command of Cyrus, Darius, and that dude, king of Persia. They built and finished it. But let me just show you something. If you, that's the, now, we see the end of the story. 
But let me show you what happened, man. If you go to 6 and 7, this is the King Darius speaking. So something happened, right? Now, therefore, Tetandai, who is a bad guy, governor of the region beyond the river, and Shethar Banzai, and your companions, the Persians, who are beyond the river, keep yourselves far from there. Let the work of this house of God alone. Uh, let the governor of the Jews, Zerubbabel, and the elders of the Jews build this house of God on its site. And then he, ooh, sorry. And then he says, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the King Darius is saying this to them, right? These are the guys that wrote that accusation. What happened? What changed? Why the favor coming back? If you go back, they remembered a letter. That letter they wrote to the King Cyrus, well, King Cyrus in this case, sorry. They sent a letter to him in which was written thus to Darius the king, all peace. So they're writing a letter to Darius, reminding Darius about the letter they got from King Cyrus. 16 years. They could have done this 16 years ago, but they didn't. They didn't do it 16 years ago. You know why? Because they received accusation, and it brought fear into them. They could have done this. The temple could have been built 16 years ago. But they let an accusation, they had an accusation mentality. God doesn't want you to have an accusation, accusation mentality. He wants you to know that he is for you. He's going for you. He makes your path straight. He does it. And no one can stop it. No one can stop it. A, a, a bad report from the doctor cannot stop it. Your past cannot stop it. He makes all things, say all things. He makes all things new. God will never remind you of your past. No one can stop his plan. Well, well, maybe I can. You can try. You don't stop it. You just postpone seeing the blessings coming in your life. See, they had favor, but then they lost it the moment they received accusation. And for 16 years, they didn't have the favor. But now they're reminded. They're sending a letter to King Darius. Hey, go check your records. You'll see a letter. Go to your library. Check it out. So they do. They send a letter. We're not going to go through the whole thing again. You can go back and read this story. However, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Babylon, King Cyrus issued a decree to build this house of God. They're saying, Darius, you don't know this. Maybe you've forgotten about it. Maybe they're hiding it from you. But let me just show you. There's a letter that says we have a decree to be able to build this thing, right? And, and, and now, therefore, if it seems good to the king, let a search be made in the king's treasure house, which is there in Babylon, whether it is so that a decree was issued by King Cyrus to build this house of God at Jerusalem and let the king send up his pleasure concerning this matter. He's like, go look for yourself and then let us know. Get back to us. Here's my card. Now, we're just skipping the next chapter. Then King Darius issued a decree and a search was made in the archives where the treasures were stored in Babylon. So he found it. And so once he found that old promise, the favor's coming back. Because you know why? The two leaders did something. The two leaders prospered under the prophesying. They received the truth instead of the false accusation. And when the two leaders rose up, the whole nation was blessed. For us today, in a church setting, when, when your leaders rise up and they know who they are, they know they're righteous, they know that their, their, their sin does not outweigh their forgiveness, that their, out, their forgiveness is much greater than their sin. We know who we are. More importantly, we know who he is, and we know what he did for us. And the more we focus on that, the more blessed you are. 
If I'm up here worried, man, I don't know if God's going to save me or not. You might see me in heaven. We just don't know. Man, you need to run from that church because I know I'm going to be in heaven because I know what was done for me. If there's doubt out there, that ain't from heaven. God says, I write these things so that you can be sure. Are you sure? If you're not, I, I am. You come, come at me, bro. I'll remind you who you are. Woo! So this new king, moreover, I issue a decree as to what you shall do for the elders of these Jews. Here we go. Right, here comes the favorites coming back. For the building of that, this house of God, let the cost be paid at the king's expense. Listen, you might not be, you might be looking at something down the road, worried about it. God said, look, I'm going to take care of it. I, you, listen, I'm going to take care of it. The Jews are, Jews are looking at, how am I going to build this thing? You remember? Not by might, not by power. God says, I'm going to make this king pay for it. Let the cost be paid by the king's expense from taxes on the region beyond the river. This is to be given immediately to these men so that they are not hindered. And whatever they need, young bulls, rams, and lambs for the burnt offering of the God of heaven, wheat, salt, wine, and oil, according to the request of the priests who are in Jerusalem, let it be given to them day by day without fail. Your blessings are day by day without fail. They're coming. They're continually coming. And when you don't receive accusations, you can see them. Then, oh, that they may offer sacrifice a sweet aroma to the God of heaven and pray for the life of the king and his sons. There was something in it for that brother. Listen, he knew there was something about God's chosen people. The enemy king knew there was something about them. And he said, hey, can, are y'all doing this because I don't understand why, why I'm talking like this? <laughs> can you bless me and my sins? Yeah, man, we have that kind of effect on the world. When they see the power that's in us, we have that kind of effect on them. Are y'all learning? <laughs> also, as if that's not enough, because God is the God of much more. Also, I issue a decree that whoever alters this edict, let a timber be pulled from his house and erected and let him be hanged on it. In other words, if you're against what I'm saying, and he's talking to his own people, he's saying, man, you're going to be hanged on a tree. You. He's like, but I'm part of your people. I don't care. God told me. God told me to do this. All right? And, oh, not only that, and let his house be made a refuge heap because of this. Right? And may the God who causes his name to dwell there destroy any king or people who put their hand to alter it or to destroy this house of God, which is in Jerusalem. I, Darius Rucker, issue a decree. Let it be done diligently. Then Tatnai, remember the bad guy Tatnai? The governor of the region beyond the river, Shethar Banzai, <laughs> and their companions, they diligently did according to what King Darius had said. They were afraid they had to do it. It's time, church, we put fear where the fear used to be. Where the fear, we don't have a spirit of fear. It's not for us. We need to put fear on fear by speaking these words that God is for us. God causes me to prosper. I don't. God does. I don't know where it comes from. I don't need to know where it comes from. But he always takes care of me. He's my shepherd. He goes before me. And he takes care of all my needs. 
And when you stop worrying and you rest right there for a second, you can start to see him being met. You know why? And then you have that peace, man. And that's what God always wants us. That peace place is always there. When we stress and we worry and we fear because we accept accusations. Like Satan might come and say, hey, you don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. How can you deserve this when you did this? You're back in that courtroom, man. You're back in that courtroom. Let me, you've been released from that witness stand. You were able to go free. You were able to go free and be blessed, not by what you do, but why what Jesus did. Who represents you? Bam. So, back to this, look. So, we, we hit this verse. So the elders of the Jews built, and they prospered under the prophesying. You know the story, man. They, reminded, they were reminded that, listen, we don't have to receive accusations. Don't receive them. Don't ever receive accusations because they're not from God. We saw the first verse. Jesus said, I do not come to accuse. That's, that's the law. That's Moses' role. The law accuses us because we can't keep it, and that's what Jesus can do. Are you with me, church? So, what about this? Last story. Who thinks, just a little key discussion, just think about it. Who thinks that God convicts you of sin if you've accepted Christ? Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. Because I was taught that growing up. Because we can assume conviction from God almost like it's an accusation. Because we think he's pointing to our sin. you got to stand there. Convicting, convicting, convicting you. Convicting, guys, think about it, in the judge, in the courtroom, convicting is not a good thing. Right? So do you think God's convicting you of your sin? I, I heard that growing up all my life. And let me tell you something. How you guys are so appreciative for Pastor Daniel? Just give a show of uh, clap, applause. This, this, what I'm about to tell you, has more meaning to me because it brought him here. This is the story that the Holy Spirit used give him asking questions. That day I looked in his car and I said, hey man, are you going in? And he was on the phone. That's the first word he ever said to me. Because it's etiquette. If you see another drug rep in the parking lot, you say, hey, you were here first. Are you going in or can I go in? Right? And uh, I went in. He came in. There was another drug rep back there. He came in, sat beside me and, and collapsed. In this old, crusty office. Not all of them in Palaka are crusty, though. Because I know people from Palaka, and Palaka's beautiful. And, and we Laka is, is just a wee bit beyond Palaka. And it's beautiful. Anyway, he came in, and he put his, I said, hey, man, how you doing? And I'm Troy. He said, I'm Dwayne. And, man, he sat right beside me. You can't tell me this ain't a God thing, right? And he sat right beside me. He goes, man, I said something, and he goes, I'm just feeling convicted. This is real hurt. Convicted is not hurting me. He goes, he goes, what do you mean? <laughs> right? Remember this, bro? And and I'm and I and I'm gonna tell him. I'm gonna tell you what I told him back then. And this is what made him think about. This is how the Holy Spirit drew him here. You guys thank God. Him and his family are here because of God using this as many. But this is the first thing we talked about. So, uh, if you go to John. This is Jesus speaking, right? So Jesus says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. 
But if I depart, he will send him to you. Like, look, I'm going to go away, but it's to your benefit that I go away. Because when I go away, we think having Jesus is a benefit. Let me just tell you something. He said it's to your benefit that I go away. Because when I go away, the Holy Spirit, the helper, not the hinderer, the helper is coming to you. Right? And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that's where most people stop. And we're like, whoa, he's going to convict me of sin, of righteousness and judgment. But aren't you glad that Jesus goes on to explain all this? He didn't stop there. Why do pastors stop there? Right? Of sin. Because they do not believe in me. So if I'm Jesus, and these are my disciples, and I'm talking to these guys, and I'm saying, the Holy Spirit's going to come and convict convict them of sin because they do not believe in me. If I'm saying they, guess what? who I'm not talking to? My disciples. See, we've all been convicted of sin one time. That's why we became Christians. Right? We've been convicted of sin. We know that we need a Savior. But he's saying concerning sin because they, not you, they do not believe in me. And then he says, of righteousness, because I go to my father and you, now he's talking to, you will see me no more. In other words, your faith might be weak because I'm not going to be here anymore physically, but I'm going to my father. And you need to know that the Holy Spirit's going to come back and tell you, remind you, you are righteous. You see, you see it? Hey, words matter, don't they? I go to my father and you will see me no more. In other words, you need to know that even though I'm not here physically, you're righteous. Oh, by the way, of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan is judged. He's done. He has nothing. Nothing. So sin, righteousness, and judgment is not all for the church. We can't put that on people. We can't say God's convicting you of sin. The reason why you keep struggling is because, no, Satan's reminding you of sin. Jesus said, man, I want to remind you that even when you do sin, you're still righteous. That's how you get out of sin, is remember who you are. Not what you're doing wrong, but who did something right for you. Will you stand with me, church? I looked at, uh, I didn't, man. I just, I just really, I heard the spirit. There, there's really nothing else right now that I can say to you, man. I hope you understand. I hope you understand what Jesus has done for us. I hope you can get it, that we are righteous, that we will always be righteous in God's eyes. And let me just tell you something. Stop receiving accusations because they're not from the God. They're not from our God. If, if, if you're receiving something, you want to be from the Lord. You want to receive prophecy. You want to see, receive his word, his truth coming at you because that's where our hope is. If people are accusing you, don't be around them. Walk away. It's not for you. The Lord will make you prosper. In every area of your life, he will make you prosper. And even if you don't believe it, because that's where the enemy comes in and says, hey man, you don't deserve it. 
And you can just, I, I don't deserve it. Let's just go ahead and address that. We don't deserve it. But that's what favor is. That's why you shout grace, grace to it. It's called undeserved favor. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. If you put $1,000 in the offering plate to try to buy forgiveness, you might as well go get it. You just wasted it. Because in Christ, you are forgiven. And the church should rise up and remember who we are in Christ. And when you do that, no weapon, guys, no weapon, no weapon formed against you. Remember who you are. Reject condemnation. Reject shame. If that's you, the Bible says take those thoughts captive. Take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus. Jesus was obedient on the cross. And you take those thoughts captive. They're not for you. Don't entertain them. Don't receive them. And the, and the flow just keeps coming. God is blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Day by day. Immediately they come upon you. Are you in a good place now compared to when you walked in? Have you been reminded of the truth? Yes. Yes, praise the Lord.